All right, guys, welcome to another episode of No Gi Required. There's nothing wrong with your screen or your mic. Uh, this is Jay Zabalos. I'm going to be hosting today. Joining me to co-host, artist extraordinaire, Jean-Jacques Black Belt, um, and just a recent guest, Marcel Santos. Marcel, welcome aboard. Thank you for having me back, guys. Much and, appreciated. And it's our distinct honor to spend the next hour um, having a, a, a pretty deep conversation with uh, our instructor, uh, I can, somebody I consider, I mean, family aside, one of the finest martial artists that you'll ever have a chance to train under, Master Jean-Jacques, welcome. See, I was supposed to have a guest, but again, they did not mention that that guest would be myself once again, because uh, I guess sometimes I tell some stories on the mat, things related to the improvement in our lives through jiu-jitsu and some funny and very serious stories. And here I am. They call me and say, hey, can I ask you any question? And say, sure, we record these and later can erase and edit, <laughs> make some change. But, uh, you didn't say that earlier, though. You said, I'm an open book. Ask me whatever you want. So. Yeah. See, and it's because I'm here, man. He's scared of the questions. Let's do this, man. Let, <laughs> let me see if I'm a, a coral belt on, on podcast, answer the questions that might come at me. In, re in reality, I have no idea what these guys want to ask me. And I just promised them that I will be very honest about it. Well, I mean, you know, Marcel will agree. I think anybody that, that has spent time with you, um, a big part of the experience, the learning experience, is learning about the history of the art, the history of your time spent uh, growing up in the art with your family. Um, and just all the little, I know for myself, there have been so many stories that might not be directly related to actual like matches or training but just things that you've, en you've encountered in your life see here we come let's go jay keep going so the first one of course because everybody knows and everybody talks about it is your hand which you're you are an open book when it comes to that and you're actually the first person to poke fun at that on the mat but as a child how was that when you were coming up with your family training I I remember my mother kind of uh, practicing. When was the day, would be the day that I would go and ask her what happened to my hand. But the, the, I think to me the, the great part after all these years, I never ever, ever asked that question to her, why my hand goes like this or anything like that. I think it's now, especially that you, you're grown up, you can look it back and, and you see more people with the same challenge that you have. And the privilege, and the, I think I would say I was very lucky, is I have a family, we are five brothers. And I have quadrazillion cousins from the Gracie family. I mean, you grew up in an environment that martial arts is our everyday breathing. And you never kind of realize or stop for a moment to question why I born with my hand like this? Because when the whole group goes, hey, let's go and play soccer. I just run with everybody play soccer. Oh, let's go and do jiu-jitsu. Just run and do jiu-jitsu. And I never stopped for a moment to think or look at, at my hand as a trouble or something that would limit myself to do anything. And I always have the encouragement and nobody ever 
so many kids around point at me it's like hey his hand and especially at home my brothers is is in a in a love way used to make fun of me and and I get so used to that and if somebody outside says something I kind of look around my brother said worse things than that <laughs> I mean it's no it's not, it's not affecting me the way he my wants but I think uh growing up with so many kids in the house never make you stop for a moment and I think I remember the time that you you become like a young teenager start thinking about girlfriends and all of these I think that was the first time I kind of uh hide my hands, I put my hand in my pockets. I don't want the girl to look at me and, and go, like, oh, what happened to your hand or something? I was like, man, I, I don't think I was ready for such a, uh, for me today looking like nonsense. It's like, man, I don't know what I'm gonna say. I'm kind of feel, maybe she's not gonna like me because oh, oh my hand is like, oh, I don't know. And and I kind of hide in the pocket. And I remember when they see it, Everybody gets surprised and everybody notices like damn, everything that I did not want to happen end up happening not only if the girl, everybody that was around <laughs> me, like, oh man, that was the last thing I want. And I think for a few times in my life I had that. That that never became an issue for me not to engage and have a lot of friends, which I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of friends from high school, guys in Brazil. And the Brazilian guys are very brutal in a love way. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they call that fun. They call me, and, hey, what's up? No fingers, what's up? And they make fun of. Me. And they are not martial artists. They say, are you not going to be able to kick my butt? I'm on the other side of the phone. And <laughs> and until today, I call them. They call me Fifty One. And why Fifty One? Because you have five fingers on one hand and one on the other hand. Oh man! And it's like Fifty yeah. One. Hey, Fifty One. And I thought it was my age. No, it's. <laughs> kids are brutal. But, but in a way, I think because of having all these people around me, my parents never made, I know they were very worried, but they never showed that uh, that to me. I never look at my mom and, and I never asked that question. I just find out as a young teenager actually what was the issue and it could happen to any family, anyone. But man, I took that as a, today looking back, I can say in a way that I think we're all born with some kind of a mission in life. That's what I believe. And I think I found mine is to to have a martial arts school. And I think today I realize and I, I play with my hand to make sure everybody in class never feel anything like, oh, I don't want to say hi to him or I don't want to ask any question. Especially, see, when I come to the kids' class, when I have all the kids and the first thing some of the kids do like, what happened to your hands? It's impossible teaching they the kids They go class, like, mom, huh? mom, professor doesn't have hands. And, and and the parents are like, oh, don't say, it's all okay. I never had any issues on that aspect. But I understand and, and, and uh, people that can relate it to me and I can relate it to them, some of the challenge that everyone has, it feels insecure, it feels less than other people. Man, thank God I never had any of those things. But I know today I can be very supportive with a lot of people that might have um, anything that way. I think I have two choices, to feel sorry for yourself or to live life fully. And definitely I chose to live life fully. And as a kid, I remember if you know, anybody doesn't want to be my friend because of my hand, I tell them, man, they're losing a pretty good friend. They're lost. That's right. You That's know? Right. And 
if they want to be good for them yeah. life goes on and but i never had that issue of not sleep at night thinking about that that was never bug me in it makes me challenge for some of the things i want to do um i remember just my parents mentioned to me i used to love evident in brazil playing soccer which was no big deal then I end up playing hockey in Brazil, which is a big deal because you use your hands to hold the stick. And my mom go like, man, son, you could choose something that you don't have to use your hands this much. You have only one finger. You get hit on the finger, that can be a problem for you. Okay, but I play anyways. I did not listen to her on that. <laughs> <laughs> then, jiu-jitsu, grappling. Like, oh, there we go again. You choose another thing that requires holding. But I think in, in specific, Jiu-Jitsu is an amazing art because we learn how to use our body. It's not a specific your hand or your feet. No, your whole body becomes part of your developing the art. Now, but to answer your question is, I never had any issues to feeling sorry or oh, I don't want to go because people, I never had that, man. No, and I know a lot of people, unfortunately, they feel that way. And man, you should not. No, let, you me ask you, not. let me ask you this real quick, Jean-Jacques. Now that you're talking about uh, the jiu-jitsu side of it, and you know, this before the championships, before the Coro belt, before the fame, when you were a young guy doing jiu-jitsu, was there every, uh, ever a moment on your life that you looked at your hand and you're like, man, this, this is hard, you know, like, or, or did you just go with the flow or was there any difficulty on your early days? Man, I, I, I start trying to think or notice anything when you're, I was already a higher belt. And Jiu-Jitsu gave me the opportunity to adapt. That's why I believe anybody that wants to train Jiu-Jitsu, you can adapt Jiu-Jitsu to yourself. And I think in going back so many years, I just realized on the days that I, early days of blue belts competing, I don't remember anybody fighting jiu-jitsu tournaments with anything like handicap. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. I never realized that until like, you know what? I don't remember my time. Anybody? Did you ever encounter anybody with something similar and also... In jiu-jitsu in my early days? No. And then now we have an open source of information to seek people out and things. But did you have anybody... That you kind of that you kind of looked up to that might might have like an ins, like you're an inspiration for so yeah. many young athletes that have I mean I can't how, I, I Marcel can how many you how know many what guys I mean? have come if in it here? wasn't for you I wouldn't have been on jujitsu today but who was but, that for you but man look imagine this you're a blue belt and you're going to a mat and you look around you have Hickson Gracie Helio Gracie Carlos Gracie Jr. crawling Harley Gracie Helion Gracie, Carlos Machado, Higa Machado, and a lot of the higher belts there, the whole family. Who, who, what else more inspiration I can get from? <laughs> there you go. And I go like, man, because it's the same thing. Nobody ever judge you because of you don't have a fingers or anything. I understand today people go like, how in the world you did all of this? I never thought about being any different than anybody. Maybe that's why it was very helpful to me because I never actually see that as a, oh, I cannot do this. No, I literally adapt a lot of things that I do in jiu-jitsu and worked out extremely well. But man, inspiration, I grew up, I have a hands of grace. All those guys in the same mat training every day and it just realized, man, look how many superheroes I have around me. 
how you're not going to feel good about how you're not going to be inspired have all these great and you see today all these icon names that i grew up next to them and learning from them they were my idols man Helio gracie carlos gracie senior i mean man you have all these people that you feel so much energy positive energy power and none of them look at you and it's like hey i have a picture here of my my uncle Carlos, it became a tradition in our family, Carlos Gracie Senior, that he used to do that with um, all the babies there. He just, I don't know how old it was, six months, seven months, eight months, a year. And my mom was all where he picked me up and put it like this. And, oh, uh, that was the cover for the documentary. Uh, yes, and he'd look at my mom and said, my mom was all worried. He said, no, 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 he's gonna be a champion, don't worry. And I know that my uncle was ahead of his time. He was realistic, able to see things way before it actually happened. And and my mom said, once he said that, she felt a lot more comfort. And I, one fact that happened to me when I was a kid, there was a very enlightenment, like, man. My younger brother one day, he goes to my mom and said, Mom, it was John, I wanna cut my fingers. <laughs> what? I wanna be like John Jack. Because he does so well, he plays soccer or does jiu-jitsu so well. I wanna, I wanna do like him. It was not the other way around. No, I wanna have the fingers. Now, was another child say, "Hey, I want my fingers to be oh, like that's him." Super cool. Then, yeah, I was yeah. so young, but I could never forget that moment. <laughs> and those little things, you realize, like, man, what am I complaining? And you see a lot of people with a, a much bigger challenge. And to be honest, man four fingers and i think the most important thing is your thumb on your hand which gives you the, the full holding aspect but man i i just feel lucky i don't feel any otherwise just very lucky it's mindset you, you know you know um i don't remember where i read it but or it might have been a, a podcast or listening to somebody but we, we talk about young children kids we we're all kids once and the things that we do that drove our parents crazy. You get on a bicycle and you ride along a, a brick wall six feet up in the air, or you're hanging from a tree by one arm. <laughs> yeah. And we're fearless, and it's programmed in us. Get down from there, you're gonna fall. Don't do that, you're gonna fall. While I'm doing it, the thought of falling never occurs to me, but then it, those thoughts start to seep into your head. Don't do it because this is yeah. gonna happen. You just simply didn't listen. And I think is man, as a kid, you want to have fun. You know, you don't want to get things on your mind. And I think it's more in the adult's vision. And you know, it's very common from parents tell no to your child for day one. And I don't know, I think it's, they need to learn. Everything we have to be very cautious with. We have to be surround them. But I don't want to keep telling my kid, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. No, I want them to do things. And some other things, uh, watch out. Yeah. And they get hurt, okay, take it to the hospital. All right, let's do it, you fix it. You know, broken arm, but it's okay, be ready for next one. But if you didn't, we have very caution with our kids, but I don't know, I never had my mom. I know inside, now talking to her, she's like almost having a heart attack when you're doing some of those things, but she knew that telling me not to do so many things would not be good for me, mm -hmm. of my development. And man, I think it's, I don't think I grew up in a normal environment. I grew up in a martial arts lifestyle environment 
which empower all of us in a very early age. I remember in high school and uh, I was I was very friendly with both sides the the nerd guys or the the popular guys or I was always in the middle friends with everyone. I never judge anybody for how they look or they're smart, they're not smart or they're popular or just friends. But I remember one of the guys came in and uh, he was speaking and bullying one of my my friends that was, I don't know if he's saying that is offensive. I don't want to offend anybody, but nerd. I think nerd is just smart. You should say, oh, he's not nerd. He's just smart. He's smarter than you, which probably in the future, you're going to be working yeah, for him. For sure. I'll tell you now, you call people nerd. Oh, look, this guy. Yeah, you're probably going to be employee of his company for sure. <laughs> and I have this guy who was, I guess, new in the school, and he started picking the guy. Say, hey, man, stop doing that. And the guy come up to me and said, oh, shut up, you no fingers. Well, it was more than that. I oh, mean, I just come up to him and slap him on the face, and that was it. <laughs> and he knows now every time he calls me that, he's going to be have to fight someone. And every day I got suspended three days, I go home and my dad, what happens? And uh, I was defending one of my friends because this guy was new, he just bullied him and he called me this, okay. Be careful, but good for you. But <laughs> don't get suspended again. <laughs> Support of parents. But it took me just one, one altercation in high school to make sure that everybody knows, okay, I can try to make fun of this kid, but he's gonna fight me regardless if I win or not. I don't want to fight in school, you know? And, and unfortunately, not unfortunate, I'm not saying that every kid has to do that, but I have such a confidence growing up in a martial art that I could get beat up or whatever, but everyone knows that if they pick on me, they're going to have to put up with me. And I think it took me just one altercation and everybody understood and the new people know, yeah, don't mess this kid because you call him, you're probably going to have to fight. I don't want to fight him. And plus, I have my older brothers too, if any problem happens. <laughs> I call my big brother, hey, that guy's too big for me, I can't take care of him. <laughs> now, um, moving on, because um, again, another one of the big stories, the big popular stories we hear all the time is now, we all uh, recognize that you received your black belt from your cousin, Carlos Gracie Jr. You're actually wearing a t-shirt of yeah. that, Jay. From that day, you yeah. know? Yeah. How old were you, John Jacques? 18, 19? I think like it was 18, 18, 18 and a half, something like that. And so we acknowledge that we have, we have Master Carlos's uh, image on the wall here as part of our lineage here. But then there's a point in your journey where your cousin Hickson Gracie reached out to you and you started training under him. What, what, what was that like to have somebody like him, like you fell under his radar? I, I remember, I think I was, uh, not sure how old I was, I was a teenager, I was a purple belt. And I think training jiu-jitsu in our family was something so natural. We have mats in our bedroom. I mean, because the distance from our house to the school is probably like half an hour or more driving. And some days on the weekends, instead of driving far, we train at home. And we have, well, we have five brothers, we can train <laughs> any time of the day. But I remember, um, Growing up, then you have, I think as a kid, when you start looking up jiu-jitsu-wise, evidently I have my older brothers. I have Carlinhos, Carlos Gracie Jr., which was the one that introduced jiu-jitsu to all the Machados. Then 
Then you have the whole history of the family, our uncle Carlos Gracie Sr. Then you have Beckham when I was very young, Hollis was the guy in the family that everybody was like, wow, man, he's he's the main guy. He and an incredible human being. Then he passed away. Then, then you see you growing up, you, you hear so much about Hicks. And then when we were very young, we did not have much access. Um, but growing up to us was Hickson was the main guy in the family that everybody was like, wow. It's kind of, uh, people go to the movies to see Superman, Batman. Man, I grew up with a superhero right next to you. What better can that get? Then he used to visit once in a while our school and uh, back then was right in the beginning of uh, Grace Barra. And he used to run on the beach and comes to our school and wrestle and the whole freaking school. I don't know how many people on the mat. And one of those trainers, he, he invited me to, to come and, and start training with him some days. And I, I asked him what time. He's like, can you be there 6.30 in the morning? Sure, 6.30 in the morning it is. I would not miss that uh, opportunity to be trained with someone that you idolize so much and you see the impact of his jiu-jitsu, the, his presence everywhere. It was like a man, one of the biggest celebrities we had at that particular time in Rio de Janeiro there. Everybody knows who he was, everybody wants to be his friend, but very few have the opportunity to have class with him one-on-one. And I remember everybody, like even some of the cousins and, and even the brothers, like, oh, why he invited you, not me or not a... I was like, I, I don't know, but I'm going. And here we are, taking back those days, I did not have drive license, could not drive. You get a, get a bus, I wake up at five in the morning, still dark, get a quick breakfast, put the gear on your bag, and go meet up him on his school, at, waiting for him, and he arrived, you're sitting there on the curb, waiting for him to open the door. And that was like that for years. And I think was the moment that I kind of uh, start to understand jiu-jitsu in a different way, which definitely gave me a different vision of what jiu-jitsu really is, how the mechanic of jiu-jitsu works, how the whole function of your body involved with, you know, your body becomes literally one piece doing the technique, you learn connections of your body, disconnect your body. Today, I'm so thankful that he, people will have access and understand from him what we call the invisible jiu-jitsu because the reality is jiu-jitsu is, is not what we see, it's what we feel. Yes, absolutely. And if you train, you understand that. But I have to see that was a turning point in my, in my life in general to understand how jiu-jitsu works mechanically, and how jiu-jitsu influenced you outside the mat and have an opportunity to train with him. I'm not even sure how many years, but it was a blast. And I think things in life happen for a reason. We become very good friends. And uh, yeah, definitely in my time, he was the best guy I ever seen doing jiu-jitsu. And uh, for sure, also one of the best instructors ever in jiu-jitsu. And evidently, I learned and I begin my life with Carlos Gracie Jr. But as a purple belt, I have that opportunity to train with both. And Carlos taught jiu-jitsu to myself and all my brothers, everything that he knew. But you have to understand that 
also the other side, the Hickson School, I understand that he knew things that I don't think anybody else knew. And he had that faith and belief in me that he will show me that and uh, I learned so much from him and I still today. And I think it was very fortunate, uh, definitely make me see Jiu-Jitsu very different. And I guess understand how to, what Jiu-Jitsu actually is. Jean-Jacques, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. If you don't mind, I want to move forward a little bit. Of, uh, Let's in, do it, Marcel. I don't mind at so, all. <laughs> so, right, so right now, 2021, there's literally thousands, and I mean thousands of schools in the greater Los Angeles area. Like last I checked, it was like more than 8,000 schools, right? Man, we are the, the second school in America. Now we have 8,000 yeah. just in the LA area. So, so here, here's here's what I, I want to get your perspective in. You you look at today, you look at how many jiu-jitsu schools are out there, how many people love and practice jiu-jitsu. Tell me, I, I, I personally feel like, like everybody that you see now are somewhat of a branch from your brothers or the, the Gracie brothers in Torrance, because from what I remember, when I started with you in the 90s, just, right? Just so people understand, anybody in the world they learn jiu-jitsu today, they are learning directly or indirectly from the Gracie family. Anyone in the world, now I learn jiu-jitsu, I, man, go back the lineage of your jiu-jitsu, it came out from the Gracie, Gracie jiu-jitsu. jiu-jitsu. Nobody in the world can say, no, I never learned from them. Maybe not directly, but indirectly, your instructor learned from an instructor that was a student of, and, and you understand, in the world today, it all originates from the Gracie family. Fantastic, but uh, the the point that I'm trying to to bring out here, and uh, I know that people always ask me this question all the time. That the second they find out that I've been training for so long, they always ask me, "What do I personally think the difference is today, as far as schools and the knowledge versus in the '90s when you guys first came?" To America, what what aside from the obvious, you know, there's the internet, there's this. What what do you personally think is the difference from teachers today versus teachers back then? When when we started our jiu-jitsu training in the early days in Brazil, the purpose ours was to make you a better human being to make sure that you know how to defend yourself. Consequently, the moment that you believe in yourself, life will change for you. You will start doing things that you never thought you would be able to because you're not afraid anymore. You learn how to deal with fear. We never emphasize jiu-jitsu because, oh, I have a tournament that's gonna happen six months from now. A tournament hardly existed. We did a bunch but was never the purpose of our training at all. And when we grew up is to make you have a great lifestyle, to be healthier, to be, to like yourself, to be confident, you know, to be a better person in general, which we use jujitsu as a beginning of that transformation in all human being. When I say to some of you guys in the school, man, if, oh, if you lose a little weight, your jujitsu is gonna be a lot better. But in reality, is your life is going to be a lot better. If you believe in yourself here, you're going to be able to pass his guard. But in reality, if you believe in yourself, your life will be better. And that's why we call jiu-jitsu lifestyle, because the jiu-jitsu is, 
is the words that we use to make the change in people. Fast forward, the tournament, which is something incredible and amazing, became so big around the world. The tournament exposed jiu-jitsu in a way also that we could never even imagine. You have those events today that you have thousands of people competing. But what happened is a lot of the schools that grew up or born, I would say born, into the tournament era, I don't think they lived the lifestyle of jiu-jitsu or understand mm. the purpose of jiu-jitsu. They have a lot of athletes, a lot of great athletes, but all these schools are very mechanic, which I'm not saying is bad or worse, it's just the way it is. I think our school, and I would say the difference of a lot of people that originate in Brazil to have the schools is, man, we're not learning jiu-jitsu. We lived our life with jiu-jitsu. And a lot of people now, they're learning that mechanic of jiu-jitsu. And, and I think with all the technology that we have today, evidently a lot of great guys that are out there, great competitors, great instructors, amazing schools, but not every school is the same. And one thing for sure is the technology and the whole process of speed up the learning, the speed up the learning process, the challenge that I have today is, it's kind of a, people can get a higher rank in their belts today, which I think mechanic they're ready for, but maybe on their mind they're not ready for. What I mean is, I have a book which has 20 chapters. People read the first two chapters and they think now they're expert. <laughs> I mean, don't get me yeah. wrong, they are very good and they're mechanic, but I don't think they have a life, they lived enough in jiu-jitsu to understand certain points. When a student show up in your school, he has whatever personal challenge. As an instructor, I wanna make sure that I am prepared to help this person. It's not just throwing him on the mat, hey man, have a tournament in six months, I think you can do it. And not is the purpose of everyone comes to Jiu-Jitsu's tournament. They just wanna improve themselves in certain areas, or losing weight, or be less aggressive, or be more aggressive, or I'm afraid of so many things and become more confident in themselves. I think the major difference today is this, is it's too fast, and I don't think people enjoy as much as we did. That's a, that's a great point. Keep in mind, man, we have somebody, we see a technique and somebody does in our class, and we're trying to like, man, how, even the person who did the technique doesn't remember. We have to figure it out, man, you hold over here, you hold over there. It's like 10 people trying to figure it out and develop this movement. It's not something that you can go fast forward in the videos today. It was a lot more focus into the technique. And today's everything becomes to be a lot easier, but I think it's, the idea is if you go to a university today, how long it takes for you to get your degree? Four years? It's like someone goes there one year and now I can be a doctor. Good, I don't wanna yeah. hire <laughs> yeah, this guy a doctor, <laughs> you know? And that's basically what happened to a lot of schools are, a lot of people go there too fast and sometimes it takes time for them to kind of uh, uh, catch up and their lifelong jiu-jitsu. I mean, I don't think people should be hurry up to, to be promoted or just to say I'm a higher belt. No, I think you well, should just no, no. learn jiu-jitsu and understand 
the benefits of jiu-jitsu and enjoy more than worry about my ranking now that now that you touch that subject i know i know the the subject of ranking could be very a very touchy subject for a lot of jiu-jitsu practitioners for a lot of instructors and um i i have a quite a lot of people that i know that once they find out that i train jiu-jitsu they want to do it they, they, they one of the first questions they ask me is how long does it take to be a black belt so you know naturally i tell them oh you know it could be 10 plus years whatever it just takes a lot of dedication what what do you have to say to people whose main focus on joining jiu-jitsu is to earn a belt or a ranking under under a, a school such as yourself man i wouldn't enjoy jiu-jitsu I, i'll be honest, i never worry or care about belt it sounds silly for me to say today all of this but whenever for you guys to understand today <laughs> When I got my blue belt, was a used blue belt from a student who left at this school. My cousin comes, hey, John Jack, your blue belt. It was already <laughs> an old beat up belt. <laughs> I was so happy and proud of that. It took me four years as a white belt to get my blue belt. Just what you realize, four years, four years training jiu-jitsu, your white belt turns brown, so old and dirty and falling apart. But man, I never, complain or worry about I just want to enjoy my training go to the school and evidently the belt is something that make us feel very good about ourselves um, but it's not the purpose at all I don't think um, I just want to make sure I enjoy my time in the academy I will never go and ask my instructor oh, how long with my belt and I have degrees and I have degrees what matters on the end is what you do on the mat and what you do with your life outside the mat because the risk is I don't want to wear a belt. You know, I want to just feel that I know jiu-jitsu. And the color of the belt to me doesn't mean much, to be honest with you. I I never expect to be a coral belt one day in my life. That's I never even dreamed or thought about that. Here I am. Um, I was evidently, I think each belt feels inside of us as a, an incredible accomplishment personal but never the purpose of training never More like a consequence of training my versus. my black yeah. belt when i got my black belt i remember <laughs> this is i'm glad it's not like this anymore but i remember i have to go to the store and buy a black belt <laughs> hey, a black belt jack but i don't have the belt for you today go and buy it i go like really <laughs> yeah but you go and buy it bring it tomorrow say, okay uh, and just for you to see that we're so happy to get the belt but not have that worry or concern you know if i'm not a belt and i think it's if people put the ego aside i don't wanna to me it's not i need to have a certificate say oh i have all these and all those belts i just want to make sure that i whatever i get i look there and it's like man i really earned that i really put myself and challenge myself the best way i could i lived everything on the mat I listened to, to my instructor when he was teaching me the technique. I was helping my training partners. I felt that I, I deserved the belt, I earned the belt, and I can feel that I become better on my jiu-jitsu, on my friendship, and everything else. I made that I have that self-improvement that make me realize, yeah, I think I feel that I, I earned the belt. But concern how many years it take the belt, to get it, I don't know. Depends how many years you you're gonna be training, how often you train. People can train for ten years. They show up once a month, 
I mean, they still, I guess, maybe a blue belt. <laughs> Ten year. But blue belt. you have people that they train seven days a week, some days twice a day. Evidently, he's going to get there a little bit quicker than some of the other people. Our time, man, we used to train mainly, man, almost twice a day every day. What was one week for people for us was two weeks of training. And if you want to put that in time, what I think is more important is what I learned along the way, not what I'm going to be wearing on the end of the way. Because in reality, we use the belt in the academy. When you leave the academy, <laughs> it's no belt. <laughs> it's what you actually learn and what you have inside of you. But that's why I think the purpose of your training is as a self-improvement, as learning jiu-jitsu, not what you're going to be wearing. One of the, the, yeah, one I was, was going to say, Jay, real quick, but remember the one time you and I went to go grab coffee and we were talking about degrees or, or whatever? And I'll never forget this. Jay, Jay takes this like super intense sip of his coffee. Everything he does is intense when he's, when he's in thought. It's hilarious, guys. <laughs> but um, and then he pauses and he goes, I don't know why people care about degrees so much. All it means is that you're getting older. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. It's I the never truth. Yeah, and you let you, know. you guys know, it, it, back in my early days, we never had stripes on our belt. Right. You, it's just the collar. And, and we measure by, man, that guy's belt is so dirty old. He probably uh, a pretty good blue belt. Then you have some guys, the belt is just brand new. Oh, he's a beginner. Yeah. And he's, oh, he's been around for a long time. But it was never stripes or anything. There was not ever the purpose in the early days. And uh, I think we enjoy so much our training, not worry about which day. And we never have a ceremonial of all oh, these people are gonna get ranking. We just like we do today here in the academy, <laughs> or stop the class, hey guys, got a promotion. I love that, man. And people, everyone look ways. around like, oh, it might be me. And you can tell some of the guy's face, they like, Oh, it's not my day. Okay, I'll come tomorrow, another class. Or they don't go. They get mad. They, they don't come anymore. They're like, you know what? The I didn't only, get promoted. The only day that we have the promotion is to just give the certificate, but not the belt. Yeah. In general, people get yeah, the belt. And to get everybody class. together in the same yes, room. Yes, and, and, and I want people to have their recognition. When they get the belt, I want everybody to congratulate the person because, and I think people here understand that and how it works is not how much you pay or or if you talk to me more than the other guy if you're more, more my friend than the other guy everybody has the same treatment i think uh, the way i learn is i think i i trying to each student he's a different way of how much more i expecting from him in certain areas not that i i'm better than anybody else and anything but i've been around jiu-jitsu for so many years and knowing some of the people, I expect him to be more outspoken person. That's the only thing missing him on his next rank on his belt. Or maybe he's being a little less aggressive. You know, a lot of those little things that also are included on the ranking that we have in our school. Because I believe everybody, anyone can learn jiu-jitsu and be very good at it. But how they're going to use that jiu-jitsu, that's what matters the most to me. The lessons learned along the way. Um the effort, you know, we tell everybody that in here. It's not so much, I mean, some of the best classes I've ever had are when I've been the victim, but <laughs> but I survived, you know? Yeah. That's like, to me, that's like, wow. You know, it's, it's, it's fun to be the guy that's like submitting everybody, but if you're the toughest guy in the room. You're in the wrong room, man. Yeah, you know, so I'd rather be like, I, this was a good class, man. I got, I got murdered, but I didn't die. So I'm, I'm ready for the next day. But 
I want to share a story now. Oh, this, Jay, be careful, Jay. Yeah, this one, but this, one, know, just, this PG, one just PG, got guys, me. PG, So going back to, to the lessons learned through your training, one of the, one of the biggest lessons that I've, that I've really taken, and I, my, my parents instilled this in me, but it just really kind of resonated more my time here. When you shared with me the story, you had your school here, but like anything, you know, there's still that, that point of struggle. And you made the decision to go into MMA. And the inspiration behind your journey into MMA was not fame and glory. It was okay. your little girl. It was Julie. I think when we came in the, in the early 90s, I mean, we have all the great intentions. We're young and and we want to, I mean, I have, I was fine in Brazil. Then my brothers, I think was missing my family most of all. And, uh, and we came in and um, I, my dad, thank God, he was very well. And we grew up in a high middle class. We have a great life and allow us to do so many things and especially jiu-jitsu. But when we came to U.S. and me and my brothers, we, we have that in mind not to go and call home, mom, dad, can you send money? We need this, we need, no, we, we decide to, you know what, let's, uh, let's make it. And, and man, we have all great intentions, but we have no, we could be a good jujitsu guys, but we have no idea how to run a business. And especially when you come to a different countries, a different rules and, and everything is, is different and we can teach, but to make, that as your financial living, because you always want to do is just train and teach people. And sometimes a lot of people training for us and end up not paying. And they felt, okay, it's not paying. And we felt, that's okay, you don't have to pay, just come and, and train. But the problem is along the way, we, we kind of thought, man, I, I have now to count my money to go to the grocery store. I don't have money to buy even the best quality of food is like, hey, wait a minute, why not? Then you start realizing things. On, on my side, when I realized that I have to do something to change this, we are struggling financially, it was uh, early 90s, and I was with my younger, my older daughter in the shopping center, and she come up to me and said, Dad, can I get an ice cream? Sure, but I didn't have any cash on me. And back in those days, you have your ATM card that you can use to pay anything. You have to go to the yeah, ATM to to the machine. Yeah. and how much money can get from the machine? The minimum, 20 bucks. I just put my card there and it said, it's not enough funds. Then I go like, man, I don't have $1 in my pockets to buy an ice cream for my daughter. I said, man, I can't, I can't, something's wrong. Then I realized to me there was a turning point that I have to look into jujitsu and even my life in specific, a little bit different. If it's me not having the ice cream, no problem. But it's my child, which when she was four or five years old, it's not her fault. And I was not there, able be able, not being able to provide her one ice cream of $1, man, that kills me. 
And what I did was I have some people that I knew and I called them and said, man, the only thing back those days that you could make some money was an MMA fight in Japan. And I arranged that fight over there and was the main purpose was to financially get paid, come back, settle things out, and that's what happened. I went over there, did MMA, my first MMA, which turned out to be not the way I was hoping for. But I came back and I have certain amount of money with me, which I pay my bills and get my wife, said, look, we have to change the things. I completely gave up the schools that I used to teach in Redondo Beach and I took over the school in San Fernando Valley. And I remember told my brothers, look, I, I don't wanna be here. I just wanna go and teach in that school. I have a different view. I love all of you guys, but I can't be on the same path because I already know the results of that. And I didn't like it. And I remember then, oh, you're gonna leave us, you're gonna divide. They said, no, 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 no. It's not division. I will multiply. I'm gonna open another, I'm gonna be in another school, which you're gonna have more students. Now instead of 100, we're gonna have 200. And I think you guys should think about that. There's no need for everybody to be under the same roof. If each one of us go and branch out, instead of 100, we're gonna have 500 students. They're all a little upset in the beginning, uh, but on the end they realized, you know what, that was a great idea. And look at today, we have so many schools. But in my case, it was definitely that something that we learn in life and hurts me so much, not be able to buy a dollar ice cream. And I was like, what is wrong with me? But that's, and, not, how, but that's not how the story ended. Uh, I don't know how that story ended, Jay. Oh, you told it, me it, when it, you got back, the first thing you did with Julie when you got home. Yeah, and I took her to a Toys R Us. Yeah, see? I took, <laughs> yeah. took my daughter to Toys R Us, and look how amazing that is. I have thousands of dollars in my pocket. I said, man, I will, whatever she wants, I'll buy for her. She chose a 99 cents <laughs> ball. That's all she wants. She said, Daddy, I said, Julie, you can get whatever you want. No, no, I want this ball. Then you can see how pure the child she was, and if it didn't end up buying little more things, got this doll here, like this doll, yeah, huh? put it over here, like this doll, yeah, put it over here. I think for me it was one way to make me feel better. She did not even want the dolls or anything. She just want one ball that was less than a dollar. But I think to me something that, I take that as a, an inspiration inspiration or something that pushed me put down on the hole in a way that man I have to get out of here and making something happen for me and evidently be able to provide and and be the man of the house and make things happen and I think uh, we go through things in life that um, wake us up and I believe anyone is capable to to do whatever you you want to I think we can get anything we want in life. And if we don't, we have everything. And if we don't have, we can learn. That's the thing. We have all the tools we need. And today, man, if you don't know how to do it, you can access the internet and you learn how. But I believe in that we all have that um, on us. And for me, that was a turning point in my life because from that day on, I promised I would never let my kids um, ask me for something and I say, I don't have, and especially something so, so small, you know? Um, I'm very realistic if I, if they know my kids, if I 
if I can, I do it. If I cannot, I have to say, look, uh, daddy needs to work a little more <laughs> for him <laughs> to get this. <laughs> but those simple things, I think if you have a child, you want you want to provide them, you know, and in that case it was like, man, it's something wrong with me. I can't, I can't allow that to happen. But you looked within. You didn't look for help. You looked within. That's that was the message that I took from it. That yeah. it was, Man, it was. I knew I had it. Um, I, I think I just need a little push. And I think, man, we all go. We all human being. We all go to some uh, hard times in our lives. And I think when we have those hard times, to me, is a, le- a learning time. And I know to get out of that is, you. We already have all the answers. And we just got to look in the mirror and ask that question to yourself. There's nobody else that's going to tell you, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that. You know what you have to do. And that's what I did. I went home and I looked in the mirror, look at myself and asked that question to me. And I already knew the answer. Okay, just let's do it. And uh, I think it was um, in this scenario was uh, one of the best things that could happen to me in my life for fail in that particular moment to be able to learn to go to a better place. That's probably why, uh, you know, um, people think that, you know, not think, let me rephrase that. That's probably why, you know, your school is one of the most successful schools in the entire world because you focused 100% in jujitsu. You knew you had it, you knew you needed to do it, and you needed to provide. Now, uh, nowadays, there's so many, I, I personally know so many instructors and school owners. What, what advice? would you give a school owner, an instructor that owns a jiu-jitsu school that's trying to make a living off of jiu-jitsu, much like yourself? Man, I I love what I do. Uh, I understand today that what I know can help a lot of people, you know, and uh, evidently we have to understand, we have to listen, we have to, to be able not to have our ego and ask questions and learn from a lot of people that we can, every day, I always learning something new to improve my school, to improve myself. I wanna always make sure that I'm, today I'm, a, I'm better in something than I was yesterday. That's my everyday moving. Okay, I wanna be better tomorrow than I was today. And I think I like what I do. I want to make sure that everybody that comes to my school feels feels that you are important. Every student that comes here to me is like a little book. I have a, an amazing library in my mind with all my students. Each one to have their own story. Each one have their own struggle. And I think in Jiu-Jitsu, we start to become friends in a way that I understand a lot of my students' story, and I start to understand a lot of my students' struggle. I start to understand a lot of their necessity, why they were actually start doing jiu-jitsu or came to my school. And the way I learn, and I know it's things that I say, things that I, I do with some of the students, they help them to write their book and feel bad about the story of their life you know i got some students that i would never encourage them of oh you should go to the tournament their goal is way bigger than a tournament the jiu-jitsu that they need is way more than the tournament that's why everyone that come to my school i take as a, a i have to accomplish with this person 
that jujitsu improve his life. And each one in the conversations that I sometimes I sit down and talk to them, they don't know, and I'm just asking questions, and I can slowly understand how I learned that. Man, I love what I do. I love to, that's become my personal challenge. How can I transform this person to be so shy, to be scared, to be normal? Because Jiu-Jitsu makes people normal. That's how we should be. Should be confident to ourselves. It's not making you a superman. Oh, you're a superhero now. No, you're not normal. That's the way you should always be. Jiu-Jitsu help us to balance ourselves. And man, you, I want to make sure that people start believing themselves. And the moment they do that, boy, life takes another dimension. To the guys that love, wants to open a Jiu-Jitsu school. I understand I never look at jiu-jitsu as a business. I never thought as a business. I think it's something that along the way we learn that few things must be in place to allow me to have my school, to allow me to have great people surround me, people working with me. And uh, first step, man, you, you have to like what you do, whatever you wanna do. And I do like jiu-jitsu. You guys are witness that uh, I'm here Every class, people think, oh, you're Coral Belt, why are you teaching Jiu-Jitsu? Like, what I'm gonna be doing, stay home watching TV? I wanna go and be in the mat with my students, I wanna train, that's, I think it's one of the things that makes a difference is, uh, which days do you teach? Every day. What? <laughs> no, I love that yeah. answer. <laughs> Every day I'm here, what time you come? I will see you in class. And you guys are witnessed that for so many years. And people ask, wow, what, what's your business? I'm a martial art instructor. I'm very proud to say that. I have no problem with that at all. And that's what I do. And I think I like what I do and I show up in every class and I have an amazing time with my students and I see the transformation that happened along the way. And I guess that is the fact that they recommend our school to another person to come in, I could not have a, a better recognition of a, a great work we're doing and accomplishing our school. That's the culture that you've created, you know, the leadership. And, um, you know, it's what's helped us endure the, the events of the past year to ensure that we have a school to come back to. Um, I think we, we all went somehow in a dark place in a way of um, a lot of people, maybe they spend, um, never spend so much time to themselves. They were all busy with something, their mind. For a lot of people stay home basically for a very long period of period of time and, and alone or with someone, I think they start looking themselves a little bit the way they never look at before. Um, and I think Jiu-Jitsu help in a way to make sure that as a human, we need to socialize ourselves. As a human, we want to be, to feel that somebody's thinking about us. We wanna feel alive because it's very challenging if somebody in a situation like that doesn't get a phone call or nobody check on them or you feel alone. I don't think humans are born to feel alone. And I think he, we all felt in a way that we lost piece of our family because our school becomes such a, a, a big part of our everyday life. And I remember on the, 
I think on the, f I don't know, it was the first month or something like that. I said, man, we got to start doing Zoom class. Yeah, yeah. And and I saw a lot of people, and I know we're doing exercise, but I noticed like at least half were just sitting in a desk. But they want to engage in that conversation. They want to see. And and I noticed that that's how they felt alive. It's like, wow, I, I still have my friends out there. I still have my life out there. But I think in a way, all of us that were involved doing jiu-jitsu in our school, martial arts in general, I think we are some, we're kind of prepared for things like that. I felt that I have an amazing family. I was like not feeling alone or lonely. Yes, I miss a lot the mats. I miss a lot the school, all of you guys. But I remember contact you, Jay, and say, Jay, let's make some Zoom meetings. Let's talk to everyone around the world. Let's make sure everybody feel needed, feel, I want to make sure everybody feel important. And I remember have some incredible time and I feel the need of people to have that half an hour just laughing, talking, and doing some of the drills, the breathing. And I think it, it, it helped all of us to go through this, this situation that nobody ever knew how to deal with because it's the first time ever something like that hit all of us. And to me, uh, I know a lot of businesses are down the drain. A lot of jiu-jitsu schools are down the drain. But man, I came here in the 90s. We started our school in the garage, and I have no problem to start all over again. And that was never a fear. Oh, we're not going to have a school. Yeah, okay, we close. When everything open up, we'll start over again. We'll rise up again, for that's, sure. That's, I've been there before. Then uh, I think we, evidently, is in a very different scale today. But I was never afraid of not having a business. Or, no, I think uh, we are kind of in a way prepared for everyday challenge that Jiu-Jitsu bring to us. And I think it just the feeling, the, the power that with the energy that we have inside, we knew we were going to be okay. And I think we are a lot better now, evidently. We still few more steps to go. But uh, yeah, Jiu-Jitsu, I was never concerned about business, my school, or losing. No, we're learning. I think I take that. I, I don't think anybody ever loses anything. I think we go through struggles in life to learn things. You know, if somebody there lost their school, man, thinking why the situation, what would you do different? Who should you contact? How many friends you have? I'm sure you're going to have an incredible idea because on the struggles, that's when we, we, we rise. That's when we have that idea that change our life forever. What does the future hold in, the, in our now as we're coming out of this? Man, I see, I always see a light on the end of the tunnel. The tunnel was never too dark. And I think is, um, I love what I do. Um, once everything is back to open up, we're back uh, like a stronger than ever, you know, and with more desire than ever. And I want to make sure that all my students um, appreciate and thank all of them for for their support. I know even all this time, the school closed and all of this situation I went through. I got calls from the students on the meetings like, man, professor, I wanna pay double this month because I wanna make sure the school is there and everything. And I do really appreciate it. I don't even have words to say how thankful I am for, for the people that we have in our school, for the students, the affiliate schools that we have, the support that our school got, that I got from all of them. That's something, 
um, that was something incredible. That make us feel that we do have something really special here going on in our school for sure. That's awesome. Now, you know the question. Do you want to ask it, Marcel, or do you want me to ask it? That, you, which question? The question we always start as we close the podcast. You know yeah. the question. Who is who is John? Who is John Jacques Actually, Michelle? no, no. Let me completely ruin this podcast. Uh, okay. This okay. podcast has been amazing, by the way. I'm just sitting here, and I forgot that I'm part of it. I, I forgot that that I'm supposed to to talk because I'm just so mesmerized by these wonderful you're stories. Gonna, you're gonna try it tonight. You can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna completely ruin the, this inspirational podcast here. You know, like a lot of, uh, obviously I know the answer to this, I know how it is, but we always make fun of this in the academy. But Jean-Jacques, why, why do you never smile on pictures, Jean-Jacques? Why? <laughs> Everybody the, asks. People no, ask me that and I have no idea. I try now and some of the pictures look like I'm a little, I don't know, I'm holding my jaw like. <laughs> and I said, man, I can't fix that. I don't know. I, I'm 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 so happy for the person, but maybe my face doesn't show that. But uh, yeah, I have these, and I have some people that man. I don't want to even say hi to you. Your face is always mean. I don't know. Maybe it's how <laughs> it is shaped. But you guys know me. I'm not that mean guy at all. I'm the very friendly. I, I, I remember when I started noticing this. Uh, we we were going to tournaments or or yeah, places but together. You, you're going to a tournament. And unless somebody say hi to you, go smile, but yeah. you, you are kind of uh, in a good way, not in a bad way, guys, in a war environment. Yeah, you're focused. I'm focusing my student and I'm putting all my energy to try to to get into him and my face is you focused see, on yeah, that. You want to talk about taking a picture. Imagine <laughs> being the athlete on the mat and then you turn and you look at a focused Jean-Jacques who's coaching you. Yeah. And then I'm yeah. going to be smiling like, yeah, yeah go ahead. No, I'm there like, man, got to do this. And I understand, but yeah, I try to kind of uh, con not control myself, but pay attention there because a lot of people came and, but you guys know me every oh, day no, here. Course, I'm, the one, it's just, it's just hilarious. I'm the one that pick you guys <laughs> and make fun if, if of myself and everyone after. here. But, but I remember going around with you, whatever we were, uh, I, I was like, people would see you and they look at me, they hand me their phones, like, take a photo. I'm like, I just become like a personal photographer. And then after taking like 50 photos in five minutes, I look at, I look at you and I'm like, Jean-Jacques, you realize you gotta start smiling more before it's <laughs> a tournament, you know what I mean? So, but I, but, I, but I, I get it. I, I got that, I try my best now too. At least see on the pictures we take here, I'm always smiling for sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah. After so much, we picked on you so much for that. Now you smile every photo. Now, now we have to remind you not to smile. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know, Jay. To answer your question, um, I, I always feel, especially being, uh, I guess, in the position that I am today. I'm always like a given person. I want to make sure that the people surround me believe in themselves and I, I will give all that belief to them. I feel that all of you guys, when you guys accomplish something, I really feel that it's myself doing that. I'm so happy for all of you guys that was myself doing that. Um, I'm a kind of that guy that um, I'm a loyal friend if you need me at three in the morning for whatever reason, you can call me, I'll show up. I'll never ask why. I'm just gonna be there for you regardless. Um, I think I'm a good friend for people to have in a way of, um, 
if you come to my house, probably I'll offer you to sleep in my bed and I will sleep in the couch. And we learned that to be always very receptive and with people. I'm always a welcome person like we see here in the school. I never mistreat or treat anybody different than of anybody because of they have more, they have less, or the color or where they come from or the religion. In our school here, we, we all have that. That's Everybody here is very welcome and we never make any more for one or less for other. Um, I'm always someone that will be always seeing things for my friends and trying to lift up everyone and in every situation on, that we all go through. Amen. Yeah, and I want to continue to do that. I want to make sure that um, people enjoy life and I want people to see the best of them all the time and make that they are able and capable to do whatever they want in life and in terms of accomplishment. If you tell me today that you want to be president of our country, I believe you. And I'm a believer. If you say and you believe in what you're saying, yes, I believe in you. And um, yeah, and I know that I'm, I don't know, I just see and uh, I never felt any different than anybody. I just feel that because you are, you teach jiu-jitsu and you, you, you kind of uh, achieve certain recognition. I never felt that I'm better than anybody. I would never will. I'm just somebody who does pretty well this, but I learn with everyone. Everybody has some kind of expertise in certain area in what they do better than anybody. That's why I always learn. I'm learning every single day. I learn something from someone. And I'm, I'm very... I pay attention to a lot of details in life, you know. Sometimes people come to the school, the gestures they make, the way they talk, the words that they use. Somehow I learned that with my coaches and my uncles to to understand or be able to to with what they behave to say something to a person to make them feel better. I always want to make people feel better. Um, so around me, and that's something that I, I will ever always do. And uh, man, hope to to stay like this for the next hundred years. And uh, yeah, I want to. I just want to see people succeed and be happy for sure. Uh, it's something that it makes me. I never had uh, because this guy has more than you have. I never kind of oh son, no, good for you and. Uh, how do you do it? I want to learn. How do I get? You know, I never want to be anybody else. I want to be by. I want to be myself, but I want to learn from people. If I want to get certain place, I want to learn how people get into those places. What did you do? I don't want to be in anybody's place. And I think to it's amazing, and I feel very privileged to to be able to to be a martial art instructor and and see the benefit of jujitsu had in so many people's life it's it's amazing it's really something that um, i'm really happy with what i do i still need as a human being to to improve myself a lot i think we're always looking for some kind of uh, perfection in our life in a way to man i achieve everything i had and to be honest i I had more in my life that I ever dream of. I'm in a point now that I need new dreams to achieve. I could not, 
asked to be where I am. I think I had more than I ever dreamed. Now I'm having new dreams to to go after. And in all my dreams, I have a lot of the people surround me part of that. I want that to to be a lot bigger than it was for me. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to add a little bit to that. I'm going to first start with a story because you hit on something and it, it, I had a flashback to a story. And I don't know if I've shared this with you, Marcel, but Jean-Jacques and I went to a, a seminar and uh, we got there early. So we went to grab a coffee and this gentleman walks in and he sees the jujitsu shirts. He's like, oh, you guys do jujitsu. And, and Jean-Jacques like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, what are you doing out here? And he's like, oh, we're going to a seminar. And we both have the Jean-Jacques Machado shirts on. And the guy starts talking about how his brother trains. And his brother trains at another gym in the area. And he's like, do you know so-and-so? And, -so? and I, the name didn't ring a bell. And, but Jean-Jacques talked to this guy like he was just a buddy. Never, the guy obviously had no idea who Jean-Jacques was. And um, engaged with him for a couple of minutes. Then the guy, you know, said, well, he was a preacher, minister. And he said, okay, God bless you both. And, and he left. And then like a minute later, he comes in and I'm thinking, oh, he recognized Jean-Jacques. He's going to come <laughs> up. But he runs up and he goes, hey, I just want to take, is it okay if I get a picture with you guys? Because, you know, I always like telling my brother when I meet guys that train. And he goes, it would just be great to take a picture with you guys. <laughs> so we're like, yeah, sure. We took a picture. And I'll, all I ever thought is when his brother eventually sees the photo. Yeah. And he's like, do you know who you just took the picture with? And John Jock never let on. You know, he could have easily been like, well, you know who I am. And I didn't want to be that guy. So yeah. I just, I kept my mouth shut. But that humility. But going back, I've trained my whole life martial arts. And something that John Jock has said many times is you are what you do, not what you say. And from the moment I came into the school, I knew it was something special because it did not take me very long to realize that there was something a lot more than what I was seeing on the mat. And it did, it did not take me very long to realize that I was in a very special place, just in terms of leadership, how it was influencing my life, how it would prepare me for the challenges that I was going to be facing later. And it was interesting because as you guys both know, I live an hour from here. I know, and yeah, you drive here, Dude, back. I'm trying to convince him past 20 years for him to move nearby, but, <laughs> but, well, if, you, but if you go to his house, you understand. Yeah, yeah it's so, a nice place. So after I signed up, I think within six months, two or three schools opened up by my house. So, you know, I had friends telling me, well, man, why are you making the drive? It's two minutes away. I'm like, no, nope, I'm never going to go anywhere else. And now I pass probably 100 schools on the way here. And Jean-Jacques, please don't do it. But if you move another further hour away and I have to drive two hours, I'll do it. No, no, we're not going to go that far. Because we're nearby. When you have somebody who has such an impact in your life and influences your life through their actions, not through their words. You've never been judgy. You've never been preachy. It's like a silent leadership, but people follow what you do. And it's, it's, it's impacted my life, my brother, all your students. You have an academy full of devoted students. You have an association full of people devoted to our flag and our brand. And I can't thank you enough. This podcast wouldn't be possible without you. So I, I never even thought about, and some, I was another day talking to, to my, to my wife, like, Oh, I don't know what I do different than why so many people like me. And I have no idea why my high school friends, they call me and they're so happy. And, 
the friends that we make in an early age, and especially the guys that live in so far away in Brazil in a small town, they call and they're so happy that you achieve something. Then I go like, man, I, I've been doing this my whole life. I don't even know why all of this. And I, yeah, I, I never, I don't think I, I never let that. All people, because they know who you are, takes make you bigger than anybody. But I never had that and I never will. I don't think I ever changed since I met you or met Marcel or met your brother. I think uh, hopefully it's still the same. And if I'm not, you guys just punch me or do something to make sure. <laughs> I'm not like you punch him, No, no I, I go back and say, hey, go back to where I used to be. But yeah, man, I, I love what I do and um, I don't think I will, I will change anything for the whole process of life. And it's a constantly learning. Yes, we do make a lot of mistakes. But I think the, the key thing is when we make mistakes or when we fail, we have to learn from. This is the key thing. It's not keep making the same mistake. No, we fail a lot in life. And I don't think failing, I think we learn a lot in life with things that we do. It's like, oh, that did not work. How can I do this better to make sure it works? And that's something that I take every day. Never stop learning never. because life never stops teaching. That's you man, know, you guys tricking me, man. Look at this. I'm the one usually asking questions to people. I'm gonna make Mike sit here with us <laughs> and start gonna Honestly, hear his like, voice. I, I feel I feel like I can keep asking a million questions, but you know, I want to do something cool, man. If you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching this on YouTube, Instagram, uh, Apple, Spotify, wh wherever you're listening to this, go to the comment session. If there's one available, comment a question that you wanna that you wanna ask John Jack or anything like that, and then uh, we'll gather. A bunch of questions and oh there you go and we'll do an instant and we'll and do we'll, a, uh, Q &A. YouTube live yeah uh, you know I'll, I'll be very very happy to come back if you guys have me and, and we'll, we'll we'll do that oh, I think. we think about it Marcel I don't know <laughs> we think about it Mike first Mike first even if we have to yeah, tie you, him down you have huh? a good voice to work in the radio man that sounds pretty good thanks <laughs> <laughs> but but seriously guys if you're listening to this go ahead drop drop a question uh, we'll gather everything to leave your name of course we'll we'll, we'll credit you on the question and uh, I'm sure we can come up with something really really fun for everybody to to enjoy and listen and have a good time thank you guys yeah. here we go for another no gear required podcast thank you thanks. sir thanks big but, honor but no thanks <laughs> <laughs>